0: Once again, the 2nd Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Once again, this is a scripture that most of us are familiar with. because we've been ministering on spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, soul, and body. Once again, here in 2nd Corinthians 5, 17, I hope you have your spiritual ears on today. Amen, amen. You know you have two sets of ears, right? You have your natural ears, but you have spiritual ears. I want you to turn on your spiritual ears. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and has given unto us the ministry of what? Reconciliation. Once again, when we look at these words saying, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, old things are passed away. We look at this and say, what does this mean? And we say that because we look at ourselves and we notice, once again, there's some things in our lives that have not passed away. Amen. And there's some things in our lives that have not, that have not become new. <laughs> Come on, say amen, somebody. Well, it says here, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. It's saying if you're truly born again in Christ, all things have passed away. In other words, they're not going to pass away. They're not in the process of passing away. Come on, as far as the word of God is concerned, it's a done deal. All things are passed away and behold all things not some things not the big things but all things are what become, new. become what new completely brand new now what we found out is this is not talking about your physical body because you can look at your physical body right now and know it ain't brand new <laughs> come on say amen somebody and we know it's not talking about your soul because you could have some crazy thoughts going through your mind right now that are not born-again thoughts. So it's not talking about your soul. We know there's a third part of you called the spirit. And it's in the spirit that you become a new person, not in your body and not in your soul. We found out your spirit doesn't sin. You know, know, last Sunday we messed with a lot of people's religion in here. Your spirit doesn't sin. See, your body sinned, and you sinned in your mind and in your emotions, but your spirit doesn't sin. Matter of fact, look at 1 John 4, 17 again. Because it says, as he is, so are what? We at this moment in the spirit in this what? World. Not in the world to come. In what world are we talking about? This world. Then we looked at Hebrews chapter 10 verse 10. Turn there. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 10. Where it reads, by the which will we are what? Sanctified. The word sanctified means to set apart or to make holy. It says, by the which will... We are sanctified through the what? Through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. See, you were sanctified and made holy once, not every time you sin. He said once, once for all. And see, some people say this means once for all people, not once for all time. Well, let's keep reading. Verse 11 reads, and every priest standed daily ministering and offering, oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. That's what they did in the Old Testament. Yeah, yeah. But it says, but this man, Jesus, yeah, yeah. after he had offered one sacrifice for sins for how long? Yeah. Forever, Forever what did he do? He sat down at the right hand of God. This isn't just talking about one sacrifice for everybody. It's talking about one sacrifice forever. Amen. Somebody say forever. forever. See, the Lord does not have to resave you. Amen. He doesn't have to reapply his blood. Amen. So you don't lose your right standing with God when you sin. Amen. Amen. Let me say that again. Once again, turn your religion off. We're talking Bible here. Amen. Come on. Once again. You don't lose your right standing with God when you sin. Because why? It was your spirit that was made in right standing with God. It was your spirit that was created in righteousness and true holiness. Then it was what? Then it was vacuum packed and sealed with the Holy Ghost. And because of this, God is a what? Spirit. And God is looking at you in the spirit. And you can come before him in spirit and in truth and worship him even when you have sinned and blown it. Let me say that again. God is looking at you in the spirit. And you can come before him in spirit and in truth and worship him even when you have sinned and blown it. Come on, say amen, somebody. And the only reason you don't benefit from this is because we don't know the truth. And it's a truth that sets you what? Free. And see, our conscience gets defiled. And what happens is you're condemning yourself. And the Bible says there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Once again, verse 14 says, For by one offering... By what? By one offering... But by one offer, he's what? He's perfected how long? How long? Forever. Forever. Your spirit is as perfect right now as it will ever be. The problem in Christian life isn't your spirit. Come on, you don't need to get the word into your spirit. Your spirit has the mind of Christ. It has an unction from the Holy One and knows all things. What I'm trying to do right now is get the word into your peanut brain. It's in the renewing of the mind. It's in the renewing of the mind that the power of God is released. See, everything you could ever want, everything that Jesus purchased is in the spirit. But there's a valve in the middle. There's a valve in the middle where it comes out, but your mind is that valve. Somebody say, Your mind mind. is your valve. Your mind mind is the thing that controls it. Come on, say amen, somebody. See, you could have all of this life of God in the spirit and not one drop of it come out and put it and get into your physical body because why? Because of your thinking. As a man thinketh in his heart, what? So see, see your thinking closes the valve. It starts to flow from what's coming in your what's in your spirit into your physical body. But when you understand who you are in Christ, when you understand, Father, I don't need you to come and break through the heavenlies. Why? Because you're already on the inside of me. Come on, say amen, somebody. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives on the inside of me. It's not out here somewhere, folks. The supernatural, miraculous power, healing power of God is inches away from that cancer that's killing you. But to get it out, it's got to come through your little peanut brain. It has to come through the way you think. And that takes a mind renewal with the word of God come on say amen somebody and as quickly as you can renew your mind you can turn that valve and release the supernatural power power of God into any situation that you choose come on say amen somebody but once again but if you're out here living in sin sin corrupts your mind come on sin keeps you from believing Sin will make you, once again, stupid. Because sin is stupid. It's stupid to live in sin. Matter of fact, it's brain dead. Come on, say amen, somebody. So sin will stop you from thinking straight, and that's why you end up sinning with your body and sinning with your soul or your mind. But your spirit cannot sin. Because your spirit is perfected for how long? Forever. Isn't that what we read? Well, today, I want to talk to you about the combination of grace and faith. Grace and faith. Listen to me now. Grace is God's part, and faith is our part. And if you can understand what we're talking about, it's going to really help you, folks. See, grace... is the the inevitable conclusion and destination of what I'm teaching about of who you are in Christ, that's what it leads you to. See, God's not dealing with you based on your physical person or your actions. Let me say it again. God's not dealing with you based on your physical person and your actions. He's dealing with you based on who you are in Christ. To your neighbor, you need to listen to him today. And who you are in Christ, what we just read, is perfect. And we dealt with all those verses over the last couple of weeks. See, that means you ought to be able to receive healing. You ought to be able to receive deliverance, prosperity, and everything else. Because why? It's in your spirit that you're perfect. You're as clean and pure as Jesus Like we read in 1 John 4, 17, hearing that our love made perfect, that we have boldness in the day of judgment because what? As he what? Because as he what? As he is, so are who? We wear in his world. And the problem is this. Some people take what we're talking about and they say, well, Great. That means I don't have to do anything because why it's all up to God. It's all up to what he's already done, so I don't have to do anything at all. Now, understanding there's two sides to the coin. In Ephesians 2 8, turn there. Tell your neighbors two sides to the coin. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. It's not all up to God. It's not all up to what he's done. Ephesians 2a says, for by grace, grace are you what? Grace. saved through what? Through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the what? Get the God. Now, we know there are many other scriptures that say the same thing, but let me make this point. Grace alone won't save you. Say it again. Grace alone won't save you. Back up to verse 5. Verse 5 says, even when we were what? Dead in sins, has he what? Quicken us together with Christ. By grace you are what? Saved. Now it's not totally wrong to say you are saved by grace if you're emphasizing that you didn't earn it. That you don't deserve it. Or you don't get saved because you are worth being saved worthy of being saved come on say man's body it's by grace it's by what grace so it's not totally wrong but technically speaking right here in context Ephesians 2 8 it says for by grace Ephesians 2 8 by grace are you saved through faith grace is what God does And faith is your response to what God does. And if you don't respond positively to God's grace, then grace can't save you. Let me say that again. Grace is what God does. Faith is your response to what God does. And if you don't respond positively to God's grace, then grace cannot save you. Well, keep a marker here and go to Titus chapter 2, verse 11. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. Let's explain it. Are you there yet? It says, for the what? Grace "Grace of God that bringeth salvation, listen to this now, has appeared to all men. Grace, God's grace has appeared to who? All men. Come on, it's come to every man. It's talking about mankind, man, and woman. But did you know that Hitler had God's grace come to him? And based on scripture, God extended grace towards Hitler. Come on, he showed Hitler that there was a way out. Come on, but guess what? As far as we know, Hitler rejected it. Come on, are you with me out here? You know, we had an iconic figure die the other day. You know God extended his grace to Muhammad Ali? But he chose to only see Jesus as a prophet. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. And not the Son of God. See, every person on this planet has had God's grace come to them. As a matter of fact, go to 1 John 2, 1. Every person on this planet has had God's grace come to them. 1 John 2, 1. It says, My little children, these things write unto you that you what? Sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is a what? Propriation for our sins and not for, listen to this now, not for ours only, but also for the what? Sins of the whole world. That means the atoning sacrifice for our sins is not for ours only, but also for the sins for the whole world. Did you know the sins of the whole world was paid for through Jesus? The sins of the whole world. Come on, he didn't just die for those who he knew would accept him. He paid for the sins of the whole world. The sins of the whole world have been paid for, folks. Are you listening to me out here? Now, if you take this by itself, come on, you would say, well, that means the whole world is saved. And that's where we get the doctrine of inclusion. You ever heard that before? And the universal, the universal doctrine that everybody saved. Matter of fact, there was a well-known preacher. I mean, he'd hold, he would hold, the, I guess, the biggest conferences back in the day about when I was, you know, when I was, start going to church and I mean all the major preachers would go to his to these to these meetings he would have but what happened he got off I don't know what happened he got off into this inclusion doctrine matter of fact he was one of Oral Roberts sons you know Oral Roberts talked and Oral Roberts actually had a personal meeting with him but he would not get off that inclusion doctrine come on say amen somebody And he lost everything, lost his ministry, everything. Come on, say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Because he believed that the whole world is saved. Not realizing that's not so because why? Grace alone doesn't save you. You're saved by grace through faith. You're saved by grace through what? See, grace is God's part. Jesus paid for the sins of the entire human race, but you have to put faith in what God did. Come on, does this make sense to anybody? God has come to everyone. Everyone has the same grace extended to them for salvation, but not everybody is saved because not everybody responds to it properly. Are you with me out here? So grace alone doesn't save you. And if all you do is preach grace, and you don't preach faith, and you don't preach what we have that we have to have that we have something to do with this, come on, that we have to have a response, that we have a part to play in this, then it's not true grace, mother. In other words, it's error. You gotta, if you're going to preach grace, you have to preach faith. But on the other hand, if all you preach is faith, That you got to do this. You got to study the word. You better pay your tithes. You better go to church. You better live holy. And if you preach that without grace, faith will kill you. Come on. Faith and grace by themselves are like sodium and and chloride. Sodium is poison. Chloride is poison. If you eat them enough in enough quantities, they will kill you. But yet, when you mix them together, they become salt. And you'll die without it. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen? See, faith by itself will kill you. Grace by itself will kill you. But if you mix them together, what happens, they release the supernatural power of God. So, this is saying in Ephesians 2 8, for by grace are you what? Saved. By grace are you what? Saved. Let me explain it again. Grace is God's part, grace is something that's independent of you. Let me say it again. Grace is something independent of you. Well, when did God extend His grace towards you? Go to John chapter 1, to verse 14. Grace is something that's what? Independent of you. When God's then his grace towards you. John chapter 1 verse 14. Come on are you still with me? John 1 14 says and the word was what? Made flesh and did what? Dwell among us and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the father full of what? Full of what? Full of grace and truth. Then he dropped down to verse 16. and says, And of was fullness have we all what? Received grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by who? Came by who? Jesus Christ. Grace came through who? Jesus. But guess what? That was 2,000 years ago. You and I weren't even born yet. Hello? Did you know the grace that we're utilizing and responding to is something that was done before you were born? Come on, say amen, somebody. Before you did anything worthy? See, God didn't look at you and say, oh, they're so awesome. They just need a little help. So he responded to you because you were so beautiful. And you were so awesome that he had to have you. No. God loved you because he is love. Not because you were lovely. Come on, say amen, somebody. What does Romans 5.8 say? Romans 5.8. It says, God, God, what love towards us in that you are yet ugly. <laughs> when you are yet partying, when you are yet drinking, when you are yet smoking, when you are yet fornicating, when you are yet, yet committing adultery, Christ still what? So God's grace is absolutely independent of you. If you had to do something to earn God's grace, then it's not grace. Matter of fact, that's what Scripture tells us. Go to Romans 11, 6, 11 chapter 11, verse 6. That's what the Scripture tells us. Romans chapter 11, verse 6. If you had to do something to earn God's grace, then it's not Grace. Romans chapter 11, verse 6. It says, And if by grace, then is it what? No more what? Works. Otherwise, grace is no more what? Grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Let me read this with the New Living Translation. Notice what it says here New Living Translation. And since it is through God's kindness, then it is not by their good works. For in that case, God's grace would not be what it really is, free and undeserved. And that's what, God, that's what grace means. It means unearned. It means undeserved. It means unmerited favor. In other words, you don't deserve anything from God. And the moment you start thinking that you do, And saying, God, I've been fasting and praying. And I've been doing this and that. Now you know you have to move in my life. You just moved out of grace. You are now into works. You are now somehow thinking that God owes you something. Come on, say amen, somebody. And God doesn't owe you anything. If you got what you truly deserved, every person in this room would go straight to hell. Come on, say amen, somebody. Now, somebody may not like that, may have got offended at that. Why? They could say, well, pastor, you just don't know how good and holy I've been. No, you just don't know how good and holy God is. (laughs) Say amen, somebody. Romans 3:23 Romans 3:23 says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God but being justified what freely by his what grace through what through the redemption that is where in Christ Jesus see it's not your standard it's not my standard Religion is not your standard. Some set of codes is not your standard. The only standard you have is Jesus. Jesus is your standard. And see, God made Adam like Jesus. Adam was pure. He was holy. He was perfect. And he fell from that. And when he fell from that, guess what? We fell from that. We were all short of Jesus. There's nobody in here that deserves any of God's goodness. Oh, come on. Say amen, somebody. And you'll find back in the day the great revivalists like Finney and Moody, what they would do, they would come in and for a month preach the law. And it would get people condemned talking about the holiness of God. Jonathan Edwards, you can look it up online, will preach about sinners in the hands of an angry God. Come on. And there are documented cases of people holding on to the pews in front of them so hard that their knuckles got white. Why? Because he would preach that you were dangling over hell. <laughs> and you were, a thi- you were on a thin thread that was on fire. And people would literally feel like they were going to hell. He would condemn people to the max for about a month, and then he would get them where they would say, oh, God, I'm so unworthy. Then he would preach the grace of God for the next month. (laughs) Come on, say amen, somebody. And that's what caused these great revivals. And one of the reasons people are not responding to the grace of God is because they think they don't need it. I'm so good, I earned this. I deserve this. Don't you see how many times I go to church every Sunday? Don't you see a Bible in my hand all the time? (laughs) God owes me something. I've been serving him faithfully as an usher and a hostess. and And we do all these things thinking that God owes us something. God don't owe you anything. Because if it was by works, then it's no more grace. Amen. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. See, there have been times when I've had stretches where I've had to minister almost every day of the week because of home goings, youth service, Wednesday service, something else. And maybe I didn't study like I normally do or pray like I normally do because everything was so back-to-back. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. So, you know, I myself, I know I probably needed some more word and probably needed some more prayer. Come on, say amen. amen. So, what we do when we get in those situations, we make a decision that I'm going to fast and pray. <laughs> and I'm going to do all these spiritual things. Come on. But for some reason, you start off fasting and praying, something always comes up. <laughs> or somebody want to take you out to dinner and you can't refuse. to your favorite restaurant. <laughs> God, say amen, somebody. And you, eat up, you end up eating something, and sometimes you end, up, you end up eating twice as much as you would have. And when we do that, what we do, we start condemning ourselves. Oh, God, I failed you. Oh, God, I broke my thighs. I didn't pray like I was supposed to pray. I feel so guilty. I'm so sorry, Lord. I'm so sorry. If you're still going to use me, just use, just use me for the people's sake. Don't look at me. <laughs> do it because you love the people. Don't hold my mistake against the people. What's that? Condemnation. Lord, just do it because of who you are. Who Jesus is, not me. And the Lord's response will be, who do you think I was going to do it for? I'm going to do it because of you anyway. I'm doing it because of him. Come on, say amen, somebody. See, we fall back into thinking, I'm going to fast and pray, and that's the reason God's going to show up and use me. And see, some of us have been healed. Some of us have been delivered from drugs. Our life has been changed. Our marriage has been changed. But if I go out here and ask one of you, to come up here and share. Most people's response would be, I haven't prepared. I'm not prayed up. Man, I didn't even read my Bible today. And what you don't realize is what you're saying is you got to become worthy. Come on, say amen, somebody. You haven't been praying. You haven't been seeking God. And that's the very reason God doesn't use you more. Cause your own standard, because of your own standard you think that you're supposed to be living up to has become a barrier that holds you back. God used a donkey to speak to Balaam. And it wasn't because the donkey was spiritual. (laughs) It wasn't because the donkey was prey. (laughs) And that's why he used the donkey. And see, sometimes we believe we have to be worthy for God to use us, folks. But God's grace is unmerited. God's grace is unearned. God's grace is undeserved. Come on, say amen, somebody. And anybody in here who thinks that God owes you something, that's the very thing that's stopping you from receiving from God. It's your trust in yourself. And see, Satan cannot accuse God. Come on, you are here. Because why? Because you believe in God. Or you wouldn't be here this morning listening to me. Come on, say amen, somebody. Some of you in this room are fanatics. And you believe in God. Satan can't tell you that God doesn't do miracles. Satan can't tell you that God doesn't do this or that. Come on, say amen, somebody. But But what he will do is say, oh, yeah. God can do it, but he won't do it for you. Because you... And what he'll do, he'll point out something in your life. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. And if you understand grace, you'll be like Teflon. None of those accusations would stick. Everything would just roll off of you because you understand it's not about who you are or what you've done. God's grace is unearned. God's grace is undeserved. God's grace is unmerited favor. God will use me in spite of myself. Go to Matthew five twenty-five. Hallelujah, Matthew five twenty-five. People leave churches because they don't understand grace. Preachers preach the wrong message because they don't understand grace and they run people away. Come on, say amen, somebody. Matthew 5, 25. He says, agree with thy adversary when? Amen. Quickly. Whilst thou in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge and the judge deliver thee to the officer and thou be cast into prison. Now most of us read this and way we jump up and say, oh, I'm better than I've ever been. I've been seeking the Lord, doing all these things, and the moment you started to justify yourself, you lost the battle. But what are you supposed to do? What you're supposed to do is this. You're supposed to do, you're supposed to agree with the adversary and say, you know, you know, you're absolutely right. I don't deserve a thing. So I guess I'll just pray in the name of Jesus and get it through what he did. Oh, you hear what I just said? I'll just pray in the name of Jesus and get it through what he did. This is the right way to respond, folks. So if, someone, if somehow you feel that God owes you something, that you've earned it, that you've done these things, then it's not grace. Grace was given to you 2,000 years ago through Jesus. Your sins were forgiven before you ever even committed a sin. Oh, come on. God commended his love towards you before you were even born. God's love, God's healing God's blessing, his prosperity, his joy, his peace, his power has zero nada to deal with you or what you have or have not done. Come on, are you with me out here? It's by grace. It's by what? Grace. Well, does that mean that everybody's walking in fullness of God? No. Because why? Because faith has to be added to God's grace. Say it again. Faith has to be what? Added to God's grace. Faith is our part. Without faith, you don't unlock the power of grace. Did you hear me? Without faith, you do not unlock the power of grace. So the question is, what is faith? Because most of us believe it is something you do in order to get a response from God. Let me say it again. Most of us believe faith is something you do in order to get a what? Response for God. Now, you may, not, you may not say it this way, but that's what most people think faith is. Faith is something that I do to get God to move. And we'll even say things like, faith moves God. Come on, I probably said it myself. Because what? It's a common faith statement. But it's technically wrong. Faith doesn't move God. Oh Lord, I mess with religion again. Faith doesn't move God. God moved by grace independent of you. Come on, listen to me closely. Faith doesn't move God. Faith doesn't move God. Faith moves you in a position to where God is. Did you get what I just said? Faith doesn't move God. Faith moves you into a position to where God is. It's like I said there's a million dollars over there and it's yours. A million dollars. Somebody say a million dollars. But you know what? If you believe it, you have to move over there to grab it. Am I right or wrong? Your actions, your movement wouldn't make the money come because I gave it by grace, but you have to respond. Come on, how are you getting this? Amen? If I put it in your bank account and I said I put a million dollars in your bank account, you would have to believe it enough to go act on it and go write a check against it or go withdraw it. But your actions don't make it happen. Does this make a sense to anybody? I did it whether you take advantage of it or not. It's just sitting there. But if you never respond to it, It'll never benefit you. So your actions don't move God. They move you over to where God has poured out his blessing. Do you hear what I just said? Once again, your actions don't move God. They move you over to where God has poured out his blessing. And it's in a place called faith. Somebody say faith. Faith changes your heart towards God. Faith causes you to believe what God has already made available and act on it. Come on, are you understanding faith? Let me say it again. Faith causes you to what? Believe what God has already made available and act on it. Here's a simple definition of faith. Faith is a positive response to what God has already done by grace. Let that soak in. Faith is my positive response to what God has already done by grace. Faith doesn't cause a response from God. Faith is my response to God. This is what we're talking about even during an offering. And see, some people, when they read Luke 6.38, turn there. When they read Luke 6.38, when it comes to offering, and when it says, give it," it shall be what? Give it unto unto you. How? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet, where there shall be what? Measure to you again. So when I give... They think so when I give, God responds to me. Come on. They think when I give, God responds to me. No, because what? God has already commanded the blessing upon you. Come on, he said you were blessed coming in and blessed going out. You're the head and not the tail and above and not beneath. He's already spoken it over you, but you got to believe. In order to receive. Now how do you believe that you're blessed? Well if you're a person sitting there saying I need more money. I need every penny that I have. God I need more. I need more. I can't give. I ain't got the money to give in no offering. And see you can say what you want to. You can say I'm trusting in God. But if you keep it all. And you don't follow his instruction when it comes to giving? And he promised when you give it shall be given unto you? If you don't do that, you can say what you want to. But you do not believe in what God has provided by grace. He's already put a blessing on you. But your giving doesn't make God do anything. Because why? God has already commanded the blessings upon you. But faith is like the door that you open to enter into this room where all these things are. Come on, are you with me out here? Faith is your positive response to what God has already provided by what? Grace. So when I give, it's it's my what? Positive response to the riches God has already made available to me. Come on, does it make sense to anybody? Now, if you ever pervert this and get to where your faith is something you get to get that you do to get the move, get God to move on your behalf, you aren't. You're not in faith anymore, and now you're in the law. Now you're in legalism. If you're giving and saying God. I gave you $100. Now you won't be $10,000. According to Mark chapter 10. You won't receive anything. Because faith is your positive response to God. Here's another way of saying it. Faith only appropriates... What God has already provided by grace. Faith only appropriates what God has already provided by what? Grace. If Listen to me closely. If God hasn't provided it by grace, say it again. If God hasn't already provided it by grace, your faith cannot make it happen. If God hasn't already provided it by grace, your faith cannot make it happen. Come on, that's huge. And there's a lot of people who have heard the teaching on faith, and they leave out saying, I'm going to make God move. I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. And nothing ever happens because why? You can't make God move. Do you hear me? Everything we do, think about it. Everything we do when it comes to reading the Bible, when it comes to prayer, when it comes to everything we do is mainly for us, not God. It's what we do to put ourselves in, in the position to receive what God has already made available. So when I read my Bible and when I pray and I get before God and hear his voice, what I'm doing, I'm getting myself in a position to receive of his blessing. But guess what? I got to make sure that I believe it first. That's where the word comes in. The more word I get, the more I believe that maybe this is what I'm supposed to have. And my faith is built up to believe and receive what God has already provided. But it's for me. But if I don't do these things and get the word in me, I won't believe what God has available for me. And a million dollars is sitting there. But I have no faith to go receive it because I have no word because faith only comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I have no positive response to what God has already made available. So I walk out broke, lacking, sick. Because I didn't have a faith-positive response. Faith doesn't make God move. Faith puts you in a position to receive what God provided 2,000 years ago. Are you listening to me out there? Lift your hands and give God praise. God's been trying to get us in position to receive what he's already provided. But we won't do what it takes to get ourselves in position. We won't read our Bible enough. We don't even pray enough to hear his voice enough. But it's there. Everything you need in life, God has made available already. but you don't take the time to have a positive response by operating in faith but you can't get faith without the word Amen. it doesn't come any other way faith doesn't even come by praying folks it only comes by the word hallelujah lift your hands to the Lord cause God is trying to get some people in a position to receive from him